Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In prior episodes, we've taken a look at attachment theory and its many implications for adult relationships. We've seen that personal attachment style is a strong factor in determining our predispositions as to how we interact with others, as well as in how we see ourselves. There's far more to be said about attachment, though, starting with how that term is defined. In this episode, we'll consider another perspective on attachment, one that is a central theme in several Eastern belief systems such as Buddhism. As a brief refresher, recall that attachment theory describes how we learn to relate and interact with others, and how we come to view ourselves through our interactions with our primary caregiver, usually our mother, in very early childhood. Those interactions come to shape our expectations of others, such as whether we see people as generally friendly and interesting, or as threatening and fear-inducing. Our early interactions also shape our self-image, such as whether we see ourselves as worthy of love and attention, or worthless and likely to be spurned by others. Of course, these are extremes. We know that such internalized attitudes and expectations exist on a spectrum of varying degrees. Four distinct attachment styles have been identified. Secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant, or disorganized. Those with an anxious attachment style tend to fret a lot about the security of their important relationships, often resulting in a tendency to cling to partners and seek reassurance. Avoidant individuals have difficulty in trusting partners to be supportive and available, and they thus have difficulty in integrating partners into their lives. The fearful avoidance style combines anxious and avoidant traits, often manifested through oscillation between anxious and avoidant behaviors. Individuals with that style crave relationship while also fearing and distrusting connection with others. Finally, secure individuals are able to trust and be open to love and connection with others, providing them with an ability to depend on partners without compromising their own identity. While attachment theory might be seen as either simplistic or self-evident, depending on one's perspective, it offers a lot of explanatory power in trying to understand human social behavior. Any theory is an approximation and a model. One needs to understand the likely limitations of each model. While attachment theory has just a few basic tenets and assumptions, it has proven very fruitful in the study of relationships. In Buddhism, attachment is something of a dirty word. The Buddhist word for attachment means clinging onto or grasping. That term refers to a human tendency to preserve our connections to people, things, or ideas, in the belief that those are necessary to our happiness. Such a belief effectively places our sources of happiness outside of ourselves. At its root, our clinging is based on a fear of losing the sources of our happiness. Fearing a loss creates anxiety within us. One of our higher human mental capacities is to project, sometimes correctly and sometimes erroneously, the probable consequences of events and situations that we encounter. Projecting positive, that is, personally beneficial occurrences, is a source of joy and eager anticipation. Conversely, projecting negative consequences causes us to worry and become anxious, or expecting to detect signs of the feared consequences. Loss is associated with pain, so in relying on things outside of ourselves for our happiness, we become subject to the many different kinds of pain that come from outside us. 
We have no real control over others or over the events that play out in the world around us. We do, however, have control over how we internally receive the things that we experience. Buddhism perhaps rightly posits that it's really all we can control. By shifting ourselves from externally focused attachment to internally chosen detachment, we gain much more personal influence over our happiness. The preceding sketches of attachment theory and Buddhist-style attachment and detachment show that we're applying the same label to two very different concepts. Given that ambiguity, we can't really think of attachment as either categorically good or bad. Thus, I would disagree with a categorical statement that one should avoid attachment, just as I would not agree that detachment is an ideal to strive for. It's important to consider the context in which those terms are used. I find it useful to view attachment through the lens of dependence, or locus of control. In the case of attachment theory, an infant's attachment to its caretaker does, in fact, amount to its assuming dependence on that caretaker, for satisfaction of the infant's physical and psychological needs. An infant has no meaningful capacity to satisfy its own needs. It certainly is unable to make a conscious and informed choice to assume responsibility for satisfying its own needs. In the case of adults, we do have choice in who we can depend on to satisfy our many and varied needs. As we've noted in prior episodes, such as relationship and the hierarchy of needs, no one is truly capable of being self-sufficient. We look to others for many of our physical needs, and we rely on our wide range of relationships to satisfy our psychological and emotional needs. In many cases, we undertake transactions in which we exchange what we get from or through others for what we provide to them. Unlike infants, we adults have both the ability and the necessity to negotiate for what we want. I believe that it's possible to creatively synthesize the two views of attachment that we've been considering. In doing this, I make the assumption that, as adults, we're each ultimately responsible for satisfying our own needs. This constitutes personal responsibility. I also assume that, as interdependent human beings, we must all decide which of our needs to outsource to others. Because we adults are free agents who focus most of our energy on filling our own needs, it seems wise to retain personal control over satisfying our core needs. Others are busy focusing on their own needs, and even if some others were willing to take care of us, like when we were infants, that would be an unfair imposition on them. It would also make us dependent on them, potentially leaving us fearful of what could happen if that externally provided care were interrupted. There are, however, some needs that we cannot satisfy for ourselves, things such as companionship, partnered sex, and feelings of affection and caring from another person. We negotiate relationships of different sorts to fill those needs. Just as in providing for our physical needs, it would be unfair for us to receive the benefits of relationship from our partners without providing them with some of what they need. There are, of course, people who are takers, just as there are givers. However, any relationship in which an unfair amount of benefit flows in one direction will be unhealthy and unfair to at least one of the partners. That's the case for codependent relationships, in which one partner benefits at the expense of the other. We humans have a neurological system which functions to promote bonding between intimate partners. That system undoubtedly has evolutionary roots tied to procreation, but it also creates the bonds that are needed for wider life partnership. This reality strongly suggests that healthy attachment, in the sense of deep emotional bonding, has an important role in deep human connections. When physiological or psychological attachment occurs between intimate partners, their lives become deeply intertwined and interdependent. 
an us arises between them, and both partners become committed to nurturing that joint entity. Some people might find the thought of such a reduction of personal independence to be concerning and undesirable. However, such a union also provides the bonded couple with opportunities to know and connect with one another to a degree that probably isn't possible without attachment and its attendant mutual commitment or investment in their relationship. As the insightful psychotherapist John Wellwood has noted, personal evolution is a process that entails an artful balancing of opposing poles. Attachment and commitment versus independence and freedom. Focus on self versus focus on others. Opening and receiving versus closing and defending, etc. Healthy attachment plays an essential role in the development of satisfying and meaningful deep human connections. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.